life has to be larger than what we see here now. You know what I'm saying? I can't identify with just one thing. Um, I have to take a bunch of things that are different and, and get them to somehow work together for a common cause, you know? Welcome back to Mr. Encyclopedia. As always, I'm your host, Chase Akers, coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee, my hometown. I'm excited about today's episode. I got to sit down with a good friend of mine uh, who I've also DJed quite a bit with uh, out in town. He is a musical renaissance man, a drummer, band director, great DJ, all the above. But before we dive into all of that, I want to let you know that today's music is being underscored by another friend of mine by the name of Will Bowers. He also goes by Produced by HD on socials. Uh, Will's great. He's got a killer West Coast sound in a time when not a lot of people were doing that, and he's got his uh, own unique lane in his production. He just had a cut on Snoop Dogg's last record. I believe it is track four. Go check it out. It's got the West Coast bounce. Um... Yeah, before we dive in, make sure you're subscribed at Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, so that I'm getting feedback from you. We're a few episodes in to the podcast, and it's going great. You guys are tuning in every two weeks and leaving me great stuff, things to think about. We're also going to be doing a newsletter pretty soon, some short-form episodes, and other cool stuff. But don't let me belabor it. Let's dive in. He's one of the best scientific minds we have today. New Jack Swing. Welcome back to Mr. Encyclopedia, where we are exploring the music of years past to expand our creative future. I'm very excited about my guest today. He is one of my closest friends, a phenomenal musician in all arenas, fantastic DJ. Please welcome Daniel Jones. Eh, thanks, man. <laughs> you make me sound a lot better than I actually am. <laughs> I'm just speaking truth. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> It's really cool knowing Daniel. He he has a lot of different avenues that he works in musically, and all of them are equally yoked to a way that just, it, it's so impressive, really. So I just want to start with, um, you know, for the listeners who may not know who you are in the city, which I'm, sh- I'm sure is very few at this point, um, just give us an idea of what you do, what you're about. Um, yeah, just introduce us. Yeah, um, well, I am a drummer, uh, just kind of by nature. That's that's my uh, my first love, um, and I'm a DJ uh, in in town. I do a lot of the gigs, like rooftop uh, hotel bars and things like that. So a little bit of the the, the finer, classier gigs, which I'm completely cool with, um, because I actually got to. Exp- uh, explore um, what we're going to talk about today from a musical standpoint uh, because of those venues. Um, so I got yeah. to do a lot of digging and whatnot. Um, yeah, so I, I, I 
play drums for a bunch of artists as a side man, and then I uh, I have my own band that I lead uh, called Today's Kids, kind of a funk fusion, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's uh, basically, um, it takes just every, every bit of music that's influenced me, and I've, I just try to flesh it out in a way that makes sense uh, for Nashville musicians who want to actually speak on their instrument in a, in a legitimate way um, and not just be the side man, you know? That's a great elevator pitch for today's kids. I love that. <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of, that's just the way my brain works. And that's the subject matter that we're speaking on today. That's why, that's one of the reasons why it makes so much sense to me and why it's so meaningful to me is because uh, of, that's just the mindset that I have. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Uh, always trying to bring a lot of pieces together. Um, so yeah, uh, I like to party. Uh in terms of music, I just like to be in situations that are loud and exciting. DJing does that for me. And, and you know, uh, a lot of the context that I play drums in uh, as well. So That's awesome, man. It, it, it is, you are one of the, the musicians, one of the creative minds where watching you DJ, working alongside you in that arena, and then watching you be an MD and a drummer, they're almost identical in their behavior, which is really cool. You don't and you don't find that a lot. I think that's the hallmark of a of a true artist of the craft is um, whatever avenue that they're in. Um, you have the same, almost a, a, a very similar experience, whether it be watching you behind the decks or watching you behind a kit, which is is very very cool. Cool. Well, that's good to know. That's it's good point of reference for me. You know? Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, Thanks, man. Well, let's dive in, man. What do you want to talk about today? Uh, New Jack Swing. Just kind of the history of it, the, the way that it feels, um, the way that it influences me and the way I play, and and honestly, just the influence that it has in the market today, you know? Totally. Um, where do you want to start? Well, man, I, uh, for me, my exposure to New Jack Swing was pretty early in my life, and I was told the way to understand it was some of these radio DJs were calling it, you know, and, and this was obviously before my time, back when radio was a format in which these radio DJs could offer you new music without, you know, pressures from outside sources. You know what I mean? Right. So uh, it was told to me that it was a response to hip hop from R&B of that time, of the mid-80s. So I wonder, you know, my question in listening to all that music and finding out the etymology behind it was, what was the common denominator? If it, if it was a response from the R&B community, what made them cross-pollinate? Um, well, I think that could be a little bit misleading in general um, because Teddy Riley... Um, Teddy Riley is the originator um, of right. of um, New Jack Swing, mm -hmm. and uh, Teddy Riley was a Harlem guy. You know, um, mm -hmm. te at the time it was uh, kind of late '80s, going into early '90s. Um, 1987 really is the first official New Jack Swing like record that was Keith Sweat's um, "Make It Last Forever." That record, nice. Um, that's uh that's like the the first official like 
Teddy Riley, uh, I can Teddy Riley himself could identify it as the first New Jack Swing record, uh, and for him it was just more so um, he just liked a bunch of stuff, uh, and in his mind Teddy himself, he, not Keith. yeah yeah I'm sorry Teddy Riley yeah he just liked a bunch of stuff in his mind he had a bunch of a bunch of artists that he really liked like he liked uh, Michael Jackson and he liked. Uh, Prince and he, you know when he liked you know those guys and he always wanted to see them um, kind of do what we do a lot today which is like mash up we see a lot of mm-hmm. features we see a lot of like powerhouses joined together um, but and there were always kind of talks a little bit but you, nothing really ever happened right. so um, in his mind he was just like I, I can't really get it the way I want it so I'll just kind of make it you know um, so he took the influences of the time and started just kind of making his own thing and, and producing his own way, hmm. you know. Um, and kind of prior to um, prior to actual the invention of New Jack Swing, Teddy Riley kind of had his own sound, um, kind of sampling drums and taking like the the, the rhythmic uh, the rhythmic intensity of hip hop, and but still adding um, you know different elements from different uh, other genres through history like blues and. A little bit of pop and, and jazz and, and R and B, um, and but he was still producing hip hop records before he even started um, New Jack Swing, which is so incredible to me. That what I'm gleaning from that is here's this powerhouse producer Teddy that is making you know he's he's been making hip hop records like you said, and then said, well, there's there's something I'm hearing, but I I, I haven't heard it done yet, so I'm going to I'm going to make it myself. And how, how often do we see that amongst hip hop producers today? Um, Just hip hop. You know what I mean? Like that, that inventiveness, that's not a word to trailblaze like that. Yeah. It's a rare type of thing. Um, I think artists like, um, like modern artists like Kendrick Lamar, um, yes. you know, Kendrick Lamar, uh, I mean, he already had a different sound starting back to like overly dedicated, but like, you know, it really started, it really started, uh, or it really hit the mainstream waves, um, with to pimp a butterfly, <clears throat> his sound, you know, bringing jazz back into the mainstream. That's mm. what that butterfly that's what that sounds did. like a parliament record. Like, yeah. Funkadelic. Like it has yeah. that feel. Yeah, it just there was, there was there's a timelessness about it, you know. The um, artist producing himself, even though there's a lot of producers in that <laughs> fold, right? You know, um, and a, and a lot of what we're dealing with today is, um, well, it's just kind of the same thing that's been going on forever. But a lot of what we're dealing with today is like, uh, we have a bunch of young artists, a bunch of producers that are young, eighteen, nineteen, coming up making those hits. Um, yeah. and so they just play what they feel and they, but they're a product of their environment, you know? Sure. Um, so then a lot of the stuff sounds the same, um, and it's what makes the money, you know? Um, yeah. Maybe, you know, there's so many benefits to the internet and having, mm-hmm. having access to musical information that we've never had before at, you know, such a fast rate of, I, I want to go find this out, so I'll look it up, or, or SoundCloud, for that matter. You know, back in the 80s and 90s, it's like, you didn't have that kind of access. You had you know? records, so bro. You had yeah. records, so whatever you got at Tower or whatever, like, it's going to be regional based, it's like, on what your record store is getting, and then your, 
you're going to be a product of that region. So your sound is going to be, uh, I guess, contingent on what records you have access to and basically where you're from. And so to your point, you've got these ultra young producers, like early college age, who, like you said, it all kind of sounds the same because of what they're, because of the influences they're taking in are so, if everybody's making, you know, for example, like if everybody's making a track that sounds like Tay Keith, then a lot mm-hmm. of the hip hop is going to sound like Tay Keith. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. what's so cool about Teddy, and, and we'll get to Jam and Lewis as well, Teddy, like you said, had his hands in so many projects. Michael, Reckon mm-hmm. Effects, Guy, Janet, Blackstreet. Um, really, the the thing I'm interested in and I kind of want to talk about here is control 1986. Mm-hmm. And the thing I want to explore is it's good talking to a drummer because this record specifically is kind of before what we think of new Jack is kind of before that ultra swung feel, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like control, they had these grooves but it was really before the the very very heavy swing. So what in terms of like Janet's catalog, what is the, what does that mean to you? Like how how do you view Control? Um, control was I mean definitely like a it was a game changing album because I feel like it was uh, like minded um, like a like minded approach. This need to keep things moving to keep things going. Okay, well let me back up. I'm gonna back up first. <laughs> yeah yeah. Um, all right, so to to kind of take your first question um, and kind of sum it up um, in terms of R and B's response to hip hop. Uh, well, really, by this time, hip hop was uh, you know, music up until this point was like a feel good, um, you know, party, have a good time, coming from the seventies, you know, mm-hmm. which was a sp- response from like, like all of the the animosity and the heartache of the the 60s because of war and and all that stuff um you know so we had funk we had disco we had you know all of those that era of just feel good music um you know that we're on the tail end of that now um Mm -hmm. and so um you know hip-hop was really starting to take off in the west coast um Mm. But in that way, it was starting to become really hard and, and hip hop was starting to, instead of being like the goofy, silly kind of themes that it was coming out of, like, yeah. Yeah, out of like New York City, <laughs> yeah. um, out of the Bronx, out of Harlem, out of, you know, um, it was starting to become really like, uh, really associated with, with gangs and just kind of thugs and, you know, with, um, you know, um, uh, Public Enemy, you know, N- fights NWA. power, yeah. NWA, you know, um, it started becoming really associated with just a hard life. So this um, is almost like, hey, let's get back to the having a um, good time. Like, well, yeah, but R and B was, uh, yeah, well, okay, so funk itself, okay, so we're looking at, sorry, if we're looking at like kind of the 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 genres of music that were the the at the at the top of the charts at that time, funk was really really big, you know. Um, prior to hip hop, you know, uh, mm-hmm. James Brown and then, um, but R and B itself was a product of like the forties, you know, the thirties, forties, 
and fifties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that time, R and B was associated with like uh, the Temptations and Gladys Knight and the Four Tops. So it was like the older generation. You know what I'm saying? What we would describe um, as softer. Yeah, it was know. just it was smoother. It was uh, it was you would you could dance to it, but it just wasn't young. It didn't feel vibrant, lacking life, the angst you know. and attitude of a younger approach. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, with that being said, um, it was an answer to not necessarily hip hop, but this this hole that was um, in the music community um at large when it came to because people want people want love hip-hop but people love to sing as well so like when when new jack swing came out it uh became the answer to that people could sing over these you know these hip-hop rhythms with these blues and r&b chord progressions with horns and stuff like that and um, it cre- it just created a scene, you know what I'm saying? Right. And and the really brilliant thing in my mind is they're not departing too far from hip hop itself because a lot of those tags or like second and third verses would be wrapped, male or female. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And this is this is something I didn't know uh, until I started diving in and doing some deeper research. I, I'm kind of like upending this whole question jam and lewis were part of a group called the time that prince put together Mm -hmm. and i wonder that made me think was prince so brilliant that he kind of saw it coming down the hill bro prince was writing for everybody bro i know i Uh, know that's what i'm saying yeah i mean yeah Prince had, I mean, Prince in his own in his own career, or like the the horizontal timeline of his career. Yeah, um, it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't see it coming. Or it wouldn't surprise me if he did see it coming because uh, he just had such a, a unorthodox way of writing and just like uh, developing his own career and his his own yeah. um, momentum as an artist in general. It wouldn't surprise me, you know. Oh, he was—he was—he had his hand in too many different projects for him not to be aware, you know. Right, and so I'm thinking, you know, if I were a fly on that wall, he puts the time together, and once once that starts morphing into something else, mm-hmm. Jam and Lewis get to Janet, right, and that's all up in Minneapolis at the same time. Right, that's all. My that control was cut up there. Right, right, yeah, yeah, and right because. The original, the keyboardist for uh, the time, the original keyboardist, Monty, Monty Moore, I think that's how you say his last name. Um, he was one of the producers. He was one of the, the three producers on that album. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So you had. The plot oh, thickens. Yeah. So you had him, Janet, and I think John, John McClain. Janet's um, manager, John John McClain. Yeah, I think I those three were kind of like the the the, the big three on that record. Um, and but you know, obviously, uh, her sound was coming from that influence at the time. But Prince had already starting started becoming really like, you know, or Prince had already been like you know really rhythm heavy, uh, you know, driving really loud and 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 you know exciting. Uh, and, you know, so that's where that influence is coming from. But you could already start feeling that sound or that that feel 
of kind of that new Jack swing coming from that era. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, that's, that's, you know, well, I would say that's because, but this is kind of me just, uh, kind of filling in some gaps in my own brain, but yeah. like, yeah. you know, Dougie, Dougie fresh, uh, the, the show that, that record, that whole record, mm-hmm. um, that was produced by, um, Teddy Riley, um, Slick Rick and Dougie fresh. And if you go back and listen to that record, that was, was it 1986? Um, let me double check and see what year that, that album came out. Um, uh, it was prior to 1987. I'll tell you, I'll tell you that much. Um, but that's the, that, that you started hearing those new Jack swing elements coming out on those hip hop records. Right. So Um, really the era we're talking about is a three year span from 86 to 89. Um, you're talking about the whole new Jack Swing era, yeah, or just in, the in terms of its genesis, the development. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, the it, development. Yeah, it's it's earthquakes in '85, kind of about it, thinking you know this this might be a thing, and if our theoretical timeline is right, we go from the time, you know, Prince's formation of the time, to Janet with control, to '88. You start seeing Keith Sweat guy new edition other players mm. in that field right but right. i i love the angle you're coming from that's yeah. that's really really cool yeah i think 1987 is really where it it like well 1987 is where it was established yeah. um and then it didn't be, really start becoming mainstream guy took it you know once teddy riley started that band got the uh guy that album was just like teddy being who he is, you know what I'm saying? Uh, he was a keys player and a right. producer. He was never, never like a front man or that type of guy, but right. for some reason his sound just took off. And then Bobby Brown, you know, was a really good friend of his um, or is a really good friend of his. And, you know, um, he needed to revitalize kind of where he was, shift directions and started working with Teddy Riley. And then Bobby Brown is the one that made it like explode, you know what I'm saying, into the mainstream. Well, because Bobby was, at least in my mind, and again, I'm just theorizing, but I feel like Bobby was the first one to champion it entirely into the mainstream, at least for the, from the male perspective. Because Jan- Janet already okay. had hits. Janet already had records. Control had right. already exploded from even, yeah. even just Nasty and What Have You Done For Me Lately. Yeah. Is, and and yeah. again... That sound, when when I think of the sound of control, it's it's nothing like I had heard before. I, I couldn't compare it to another record. I control is one record that I can't go. Oh, that sounds like these five other joints. Right, right, right. You can't. It right. was it was singularly its own thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, it, and rightfully so. Like it got all the it got all the attention that it needed. And I think that it, it, cha- it set the pace for what mm. new, like what Bobby Brown was going to be doing, you know, or what he was about to do and whatnot. And I think that, uh, because I mean, that album got, it got nominated for album of the year. Like that was the big, that was the, the big one, right? Well, it was nominated. Yeah. For that, but it also received producer of the year, non-classical. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's an, for a for a an album or or a sound or you know um, yeah. that 
had never been heard of before. It just, yeah, it created the the bed where, you know, the foundation for everything that was about to happen, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, Bobby Brown, um, you know, he had his, it's got, well, it's kind of like when we see like NSYNC kind of break apart and then yeah, Justin uh, Timberlake take you, off. You were reading or, my mind. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, Destiny's Child break apart and then Beyonce is kind of the front runner now. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's uh it's the same type of situation where Bobby mm-hmm. Brown with New Edition he went he just he took off you know mm-hmm. um and then once you know he once he started working with Teddy um like it like for real for real um that's when uh, it really it really solidified as not just a sound, but, uh, uh, its own, like a vehicle, you know, mm-hmm. um, that Harlem, that Harlem sound became a, a national sound, you know, right. um, which then back the culture, uh, there was a whole scene, there's a whole, like just color palette that comes with it, you know, sure. um, even, all even of the- down to clothing and, and, and just the look of, you know, somebody thinks, I mean, a non-musician, like you explain this to a non-musician, their first thing would be like Fresh Prince. Like they would just associate that like a high top fade. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This was one of the like nowadays you have like, you know, somebody can tell if you're into, you know, folk or if you're into like as a signifier by the way you dress or like SoundCloud rap like that has a look like Supreme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, hype beast stuff like this. This is so the new Jack movement is so incredible from that perspective, just because of what it kind of remixed in its own way from even even sound to culture to, like you said, a scene that hadn't really been invented before mm-hmm. or thought of. Something for me that I was kind of tossing around in my mind, there was a group in the early 80s called Art of Noise. You heard of them? Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. They were pioneers. They were a if if I remember correctly, they were British. Okay. And they are kind of the proponents. Yeah, they're English. Uh formed in 83. Uh they were kind of the trailblazers of sampling in general. The, the technology was unbelievably expensive. Like they had a fair light. They had all the stuff, you know, um, they produced a group, a prog rock group called Yes. You remember them? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, the song that you and I probably know is Moments in Love, which uh-huh. has this really odd timbre to it, but it, it features basically um, Art of Noise kind of cross-collaborated with this guy Trevor Horn, who's one of my favorite producers, big big influence for me. Uh, Trevor did all the like Grace Jones stuff. If you if you have never listened to any of that catalog, very very avant garde um, concept R and B. But Art of Noise did a Prince cover of Kiss featuring Tom Jones, and it sounds like it's it sounds like the beginning of New Jack. So I'm sitting here going, all these all these New Jack tunes. Have this kind of you know back when like samplers first started they had that kind of like they would just take one little vocal and make a a weird rhythm out of it sure yeah you know 
Mm-hmm. Art of Noise was the first one doing that. Back like like five, six years before any of this new jack stuff was even thought of. Yeah. So I'm going, I wonder if Prince, with all his gacking with the Lindrum and all that, was taking influence from these British groups and going, man, well, this kind of sounds, you know, this kind of has a similar feel. Blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It was just something I thought of. I, I loved Art of Noise for so long and Trevor Horn that I'm going, there's got to be some similarities here. Well, yeah, let me take a look at kind of like uh, the history of of electronic music um, in That is Europe. a hole you don't want to go down. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, because I, I, I remember like uh, uh, just hip, the hip hop influence on just EDM and, and the development on, on in EDM, I mean, uh, drum and bass and, and, and soul sonic force and all yeah, that. Yeah, and yeah, and how you know the the modern dance music that we have today was um, Europe's response to you know hip hop from the the eighties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so I can only imagine that you know. Um, the people that were producing and pushing this new like style of music or this new feel were—I mean—they had their ear to the ground. And was were listening to everything, right? And it's and even to the even to the the dance music conversation, you know, that would take us back to the Donna era mm-hmm. because of Giorgio Moroder, right? Mm-hmm. His, you know, I feel love and all that. In my mind, Europe is hearing disco, taking, you know, taking influence from that and what Giorgio Moroder is doing with synths and sequencers and arpeggiators and all that and turning it into something that an entirely different continent and community can digest. Even even from from the new wave perspective, from disco to all that, in terms of its relation to New Jack, I wonder if, you know, Teddy, Jamie Lewis, and all them were basically taking this a similar approach of I'm gonna I'm gonna begin with this sample, build a beat from here, build a feel from here. I've got, you know, keyboard overdubs, bass, whatever, but using that new technology. Because you know what MIDI drums sound like. I mean, but when when MIDI, you know, digital drums started being a thing, everything started you know, hyper quantized all human feel out the door. Right. Right. But it started a thing. Cause you listen to Rhythm Nation, Miss You Much, Nasty, all that stuff. It has a pocket. There's a oh, thing yeah. to it. It's quantized, but there's a thing. Well yeah, I mean you know what that is? Uh, because everybody I mean because everybody it has still has to be danceable, you know. Right. Uh, it still has to be danceable, um, which makes New Jack Swing uh, the th- the thing, you know. Like New Jack Swing's always, uh, you know, or hip hop and New Jack Swing always had those breakdowns, you know. And the whole idea mm-hmm. was to always keep the rhythm going to a certain degree, to where people can will never stop dancing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and and then just kind of using those I or the ideas that were established in hip hop with you know the 808s and you know all of those sounds the Elysis yeah 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 the reason um, I the reason I draw the art of noise comparison 
is because even, and even, you know, before we get to poison itself, I can bring it up, but like the new Jack tunes had that feel. There would just be a sample out of nowhere, some, some horn stab or glass breaking or something in in the Michael case with dangerous and all that. There uh-huh. would be these, these sound design. I just come at it from the nerd perspective. I love that stuff. So there would sure. be these sound design, little ear candy moments happening. And I'm in my mind, I'm going, that's art of noise. Like that, that's, that had been done in a different way by the English and, and some of Prince's catalog in the, in the eighties stuff, but I'm going, okay, that's, that's clearly a hallmark of the sound, the whole, you know, take a sample, gack it out, put it into essentially what would be the drum bus and make a rhythm out of it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking, you know, a lot of those, a lot of those early hip hop records were generally straight. You know what I mean? In, in terms of like swing percentage or, or feel. Mm-hmm. Well, New Jack at some point shifts, shifts from the control feel into the Bell Biv DeVoe feel mm-hmm. and guy and wrecking effects and all that. And like, what what is that like as a drummer? I guess my question to you would be how does that how does that feel play into maybe the music you write now or you you perform out with other people? Because I know like I know when I watch you drum, when I watch you play, everything generally everything you play is, has got a bit of grease to it. There's there's this push pull thing happening that stays right locked in, and I'm just I'm just curious because I'm not a drummer, yeah. But I'm just curious what New Jack did to you as a player as we're moving the conversation into the 1990s with you know, like I said, BBD, Dangerous, like Remember the Time, all that stuff. Yeah. Um- well, that was my that was my era, bro. That was like, uh, that was the era. I was six, you know, five six years old mm-hmm. when, um, you know, boys to men, you know, Motown, Philly, uh, Poison, <laughs> yeah, man, um, yeah, you know, remember the time? I remember watching the premiere of that with my dad. Uh, you were born in eighty eight. Uh, 86, 86. Okay. Yeah. So I remember, you know, my dad and my dad and I would watch, uh, you know, Michael Jack, you know, the, the videos that would premiere, uh, he and I would, would, would watch those together. I remember, I remember, Mm -hmm. remember the time. And, um, but it's crazy because like, um, the way that I, that I sit in a groove, uh, it just didn't really start making sense to me until I actually started DJing a lot. Um, right. And I kind of, oh, I'm excited to talk about this. Yeah. I kind of previewed this earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, a lot of these, these venues that I play at, um, they, you know, they don't want a lot of the, the new, uh, hip hop that is played like it's, well, let me put it this way during the day. I used to, I started out doing a lot of brunch, you know, um, sets. So then mm-hmm. all this, all the stuff that you hear in the clubs nowadays, I didn't really get to play around with a whole, whole lot. So then I found my niche by really like bringing back the old school feels. And, mm-hmm. and but in that period of time, just like listening, um, I realized, holy cow, this there's is so my, much here. Like, yeah. And this is my vibe. So like much. this reminds me. Well, it just reminded me of like playing on the playground or just like, 
you know, you know, during the summer, you know, all the kids like mm-hmm. running around outside until the sun went down. Like this was the vibe, you know. Uh, you just sent me would, so far back. I, yeah. I just went like, oh, I missed that. Yeah, and I would like look around the room and I would see all, you know, all the people that were like my age. Well, it didn't even matter. Like my age, just like it just had it has a special connection with kind of everyone. It, it, it really takes yeah. me by surprise how like kids that are like, you know, 20 and 21 nowadays know all the words to like, you know, these songs that are now classics, you know, mm-hmm. um, like for me. So for me, you know, growing up singing Temptations and Stevie Wonder, that's what that is right. to them. You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, because you think about, OK, so I'm 26. Right. Mm-hmm. But there's there's a generation of children now coming out to the clubs that were born in like 99, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Their parents are not that much older than us in in all, you know, that generation is not that far removed from us. So probably what their parents gave them was BBD, was Michael, was Janet. Yeah, right. Was te- right. you know, and that yeah. and what's so funny about New Jack is I think I think it 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 started as a predominantly African American originated genre, but now it is it is transformed into a timelessness that transcends race and age in that conversation. Like your your DJ kind of story behind that, and I love how you put that. Of like, you know, and, and to the listeners that aren't familiar with the Nashville club market, it generally there's a divide between the Broadway, you know, South Broadway, downtown, late night feel, and upscale $14 old-fashioned brunch feel. There's a difference. Yeah, for sure. And, and in that divide, you can't play, you're probably not going to go to South Broadway and play Groove Me by Guy. Not at night, no way. No, because, that, because why? That crowd... They're not. They're not there. They're on the one hand. They're not there to hear that music. They don't. That music doesn't get them hype. It doesn't. It doesn't perpetuate their drinking. Right. And two. There's a potential that that's part of the generation, the generational gap that missed the New Jack influence. Mm. And you know, it depends on location too. I mean, you know, ninety percent, eighty percent of a good night in terms of DJing, I think at least is location and feel, you know, location and feel of the venue, feel of the night. What does it look like? What does it feel like? But, um, so DJ really DJing for you puts you into a headspace to, to study new Jack further than you had previously. It, it was the, it was one of the more defining moments of connection for me. Mm. Um, the way that, like that push and pull and everything like that, like, you know, um, it didn't become real in, in terms of like what I'm made of as a player mm. until I connected to that, you know, <clears throat> sorry, my voice is crackling. You're um, good, but like, uh, you know, you can tell where somebody comes from by the way they play inherently, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you listen close enough. And that was one of those moments where I realized I come from the nineties. I come from, I was born in New Jersey, you know? Um, and I didn't realize how, how deep down that Jersey? went. I didn't know. Yeah, that. I, was, I was born in Jersey. Yeah. Huh. Um, and so like those, those, those years of just like, 
my earliest musical development was, you know, um, I mean, I'll tell you straight up. It was NWA, Crisscross, um, Belle <laughs> DeVoe. Yeah, uh, man. You know, um, some would say that Men. you being born in '86 was kind of the was kind of the golden era. Maybe maybe a, a few years earlier, like my sister's age, '83, '82. Like you were really born in the golden era to be a child when that stuff was coming out because you can just sponge that stuff. You know. Yeah, and it was great because it was you know all um, I had was in sync. Uh, <laughs> and it's funny that you bring up NSYNC because that's where NSYNC we're going <laughs> on, you know, uh, I want to further answer this, answer the question, but like yeah, NSYNC, they covered, you know, um, uh, fr- uh, just got paid by Johnny Kemp, mm-hmm. which was originally supposed to be a Keith Sweat song. And it was, and that song was produced by Teddy Riley. Wait, just um, got paid was supposed to go to Keith, but it went to Johnny. Yeah. So basically, really? yeah. So basically, uh, Keith Sweat, um, they wrote that song, and Keith was like, "Yo, I I want this song," but um, his his record was already mastered, and so oh he couldn't God. keep it. So they're like, "All right, well, let's just." Uh, well, Teddy Riley said, "I'm going to give it away," um, or I'm going to give it away. I'm going to give it to Johnny Kemp, um, and his and his uh, his company, his record company, and and so Johnny Kemp came up with that that tune, and I mean Keith Sweat got the rights because they you know he got his credits because they did their. Um, uh, they wrote it together or whatever, but you mm-hmm. know. Anyway, so you know, we'll we'll touch on that uh, bef- after this. Your original question gets uh, fully answered, um, which is you know to today, man. Um, uh, I feel new New Jack Swing is the way that I swing when I play. Um, not always, you know, because you know in a, right. in a working city like Nashville, you have to be able to play everything the way that it was. You uh, can't play boot scoot boogie on Broadway and try to swing it like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> yeah. like when it comes to like, if I just sit down and I'm just like playing just because I want to play, I swing like you know, um, because then like my favorite style of rapping, like cadence wise, is like that early '90s. Like it was simple, but everything mm-hmm. was like. You could feel the quarter note on everything. You know and what I'm saying? It was, it was like, before the Busta Rhymes thing, too. Yeah, it was before yeah. Before that. people started rap- rapping really, really fast and stuff like that, you mm-hmm. could just everything was simple, and the cadence was just like it just it just felt so good and powerful. Like everything was pushed. You could still feel the funk because by that point, um, and I started to make that point earlier. I didn't expand on it, but funk had been obliterated by hip hop by that point. You know what I'm saying? Um, at least, well, at least from the perspective of popularity, I'm not sure from right. the perspective of using a sample or something of of that sort. Because uh, it being a, ma- a mainstream, um, the, what's popular in the black community, sure, you know, because funk was mostly a black, uh, it was a black thing. James Brown and you know, um, totally, Bootsy Collins and all those cats. But mm-hmm. anyways, funk still lived in hip hop because like a lot of those, mm-hmm. a lot of those lyrics would always push to the one, which which was funk inherently, mm-hmm. you know, um, everything pushed to that one and that backbeat was really strong. Um, and also to answer your, your question, uh, the, the bass, like before we move on to like kind of how it influenced the rest of music, but like the drums were always really, really, um, powerful. Um, the, you know, samples, you know, people would run their, their, their vocal samples into an emulator yeah. and things like that. But also the bass, the, you know, uh, uh, but it big it but it 
eh, you know, like it was this specific sound that mm-hmm. just was like super fat and dirty. Um, it was, uh, uh, it came from a Yamaha, like, um, original came originally came from like a Yamaha, uh, keyboard, uh, mm-hmm. and people called it, uh, lately bass. Huh. Um, where did, where did but, that like, moniker in, uh, in terms it of, was, of lately? Th- uh, the keyboard that was used, that was the name of the, the sound, like that, that the patch specific itself. bass, the patch itself. Yeah. Huh. Um, and that was, you know, it was manipulated, you know, over time to get the sound, but like heavy D heavy D was like the, was the, like kind of the reference you go back to mm. when you, when you want to reference that like basic sound, that bass sound on the early, like in its earlier forms, you know, um, mm. and that was taken from heavy D and, you know, put into, like, like that became like the staple of like what, what the that ground floor of sure. what New Jack Swing was, you yeah. know. And so like you know, I wrote a song for my uh, my band, the Fusion Band or whatever, and it was a it was a huge nod to New Jack Swing. And mm-hmm. the first thing I realized was like, okay, uh, drums, snare, and then bass, and then everything else went went on top of that, you know. And not necessarily. I mean, obviously that's kind of how you build from the ground up. Sure, but like. It's a very specific thing, mm-hmm. you know, um, because if you don't have if you don't have it just right on one or the other, you can t- anybody can tell. And two, I mean, that's even in the modern sense, you you know, you can go into Ableton now and there's there's groove pools that you can. You've got like a kibasa shaker, hi-hat loop, whatever that you've played in. Uh, you know, there's groove pools that you can emulate that MPC 55 to 75% swing Uh that that kind of thing but but again there's a feel to it you you really can't just copy paste you know in terms of new production you really can't just copy paste in the box those swing percentages without having the ear for like you said the the marriage between the kick the bass the snare and then the swing coming from everything else yeah, you've got to have even you know you're playing keyboard overdubs, playing guitar over. You've got to have that center to create a true new jack song, <laughs> and everything else from there is is removing or filling pockets of of space as needed. Mm-hmm. You know, well that answers it for me and just and for our listeners is, is you know uh, it, it seems pretty clear that your marriage of inventive DJing spilled over into your playing which oh yeah ideally both of us being players and djs that's kind of what's supposed to happen yeah it just kind of happens by um uh osmosis Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um yeah it just made music make more sense to me you know yeah when we get to the late 90s and two groups developed by a group of scandinavian producers Known as NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. Yeah. What on earth happens there? Isn't that fun? Um, well, with the uh, end of New Jack Swing, yeah. Um, you know, it really... But that's the thing. I'm not sure it's the end, though. Uh, well, in terms of, of... Well, okay. So you kind of always had like the groups, you know. Well, okay. Let me put it this way: when New, New Jack Swing was like a 
uh, it was always a community effort. It was always always a team like communal effort. So that's where you like always had those groups of of you know, um, Belle DeVoe, and you had New Edition, and um, you know, which you know, not necessarily New Jack, but you know, Mint Condition came out of that era, and you always had groups of guys, you know, um, or or gals. Uh, I guess not as as common at that point, but you had like Salt and Pepper, and you had uh, well, you had TLC was a little bit later, um, but I mean, if we're talking about like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys, TLC was was you know um, you know prior to that, but it moved into right. this the scene right. of like uh, pop culture, you know, mm-hmm. um, pop culture is you know what we all know is just kind of like a uh, it just it's a melting pot of all styles. Um, and it's when it comes to like how we uh, view or take in, you know, you, you know, a lot of things happen culturally, but then the big, the big pop culture, it, 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 it gets monetized by the predominantly white culture. You know what I'm saying? So then you, you take, you know, uh, the aspects of dancing and party tunes and, then you mix it with pop uh, and you put some faces on it. Um, you get groups like Backstreet Boys mm-hmm. and groups like NSYNC. Um, there's this group called Five <laughs> that was around for like a little while. Not um, to be confused with High Five, right? No. Oh, okay. I think they were just Five. I think that was the name of that group. Okay. Um, and then, you know, 90 Degrees, you know, mm-hmm. those there yep. there became a whole there became a whole like uh, a whole movement of you know these these boy bands, boy and girl bands. What were the girl bands back then? Back in there, besides Destiny's Child, Spice Girls. Oh, Spice Girls. Yeah. I mean, my my biggest thing, you know, Max Martin comes on the scene, and and let me just like the flow chart of production i guess hierarchy you've got max martin to lukash gotwald dr luke to mm-hmm. benny blanco who's now you know luke's protege who does all the charlie puth stuff now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. down to these young soundcloud cats that they go and find you know or the small teams out there in la but really max is the guy we have to credit with, I mean, in, in the same way, he's like Pharrell for Virginia Beach. Boy, like, he did everything. He did everything. He bro. did everything. Like for you know, Pharrell and the Neptunes, they they had a monopoly on on that era of hip hop. You know, in ter- in in terms of like even Pharrell starting with Wreckin' Effects, Rum Shaker, all the way to, uh, like I said, the entirety of the Virginia Beach scene with Clips and all that. Right. Uh, but Max, you know pretty much invented that feel. And again, there are patent similarities between, um, for me at least, from a production standpoint, New Jack and this this era of bubblegum pop that has crazy amounts of attitude. Yeah, we'll call it dance, like dance pop. Dance pop, right. But it, but it was mm-hmm. still slow. It was like 98 to 104. Right, like it, yeah. It wasn't, <laughs> the, the whole Kesha 128 thing hadn't even been born until Dr. Luke, got his hands on pop but sure. like you know backstreet boys in sync and britney all had that kind of you know str- the stravinsky horn stab on one kind of thing mm-hmm. that all the 
you know, rap, all the new jazz. You know what I'm talking about? That <laughs> sample, it's everywhere. <laughs> so I'm thinking, okay, you take, you know, Scandinavian melody and put it over, like you said, it, 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 it was, it was monetized. You said it was monetized by white culture, right? Sure. Yeah. Take a white artist, white boy band, white girl band, whatever, pull these influences from New Jack and then make the melodies softer. They're sweeter, you know? Well, I've never really thought about it that way, or in terms of just like melodic content. I've never really thought about it that way. Um, yeah. But yeah, so okay, like, I hear you. Britney yeah. Spears, Lucky. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a catchy but sweet melody. Sure, Backstreet Boys, sure. I want it that way. Oh yeah, definitely. There's there's emotion in that. There's there's serious emotion in that, but it's almost like it's like 1999's version of the Temptations. Like in in the in the like dudes singing melodies, you know what I mean? I I don't know. It's just a theory that I'm wondering if, you know. Well, I mean, I think of I mean, well, cuz I hear I hear songs like I like by Guy, you know. Yeah. Um and uh if it is in love well, uh, by, this way. yeah new edition yeah. you know you still had those those sweet melodies there mm. it, it what makes it the what makes it the most different um and by the way i'm not throwing shade i mean this this yeah no way 90s no way. stuff is some of the greatest pop music sure ever what, what were yeah. you saying um it, oh, I, I guess i'm just posing the question like what makes it um what makes it different from i think the the hip-hop elements are made softer yes that's more um, so what i mean is we yeah, new yeah, jack yeah. new jack yeah. had an attitude that was yeah. uh this is right here you know this is in your face this this i mean definitely the swing the swing is not hard as hard no like, it's the not. thing is the thing is if if white culture took this like if they tried to emulate it and took it to Harlem, they'd get laughed out of Harlem. <laughs> um, I mean, that's just that's right, just, right. You know, I got you. you know, it's just yeah. kind of like what would happen. So yeah. um, w- you kind of follow the trends, and then you mm. know um, what what pop or what really what just human nature always does is just capitalizes on a history of something and then create mm. something new from that thing. You know, um, and I think pop came from that, and there is like or the 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 modern pop. Uh, because pop was, you know, has always kind of been a thing, but um, what makes pop or how New Jack influenced pop in the early 90s this, and early 2000s? This Max Martin pop, this version yeah, of it, yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. It's just like, you know, you took you you took all of the same elements, mm-hmm. um, but you kind of straightened it out a little bit, um, and you just made it a little cleaner. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the dirtiness that made Poison such a such an incredible tune yeah because like in new jack swing you always had kind of like that out of tune obnoxious like obnoxiously loud snare drum like <laughs> true um and yeah and it's just like you know you clean those elements up and it becomes a little bit more mm-hmm. um i won't say palatable because like new jack swing was hella pal- palatable but it's but- only in comparison to the time at what you had come from before Okay. Yeah. Pal- palatability. You can only. Is that even a word? Palatability. Pal- I mean, I get which. I, I get where you're. What you're is, saying. <laughs> you can only talk about that from where you came from. You can't say, well, that's something. You know, I, I agree with you. You can't. You basically, it would be impossible to say that music is palatable or not palatable, depending on what. Only if it's depending on where you came from. So, the boy band thing, and Britney Spears, basically the the 
wonderkind that was Britney Spears being so young and, and like Christina and all that was a completely new invention for, for pop music at that time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an entirely new character. Bro, I remember uh, the first time I saw, what was the, what was the first NSYNC single? Um, uh, tearing up my heart and I'm with you. That one. Genius. Wait, genius was the first one? No, it's no, it's literally genius. I'm saying I'm describing oh, it. Oh, like that, the, the song. That song is incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, a yeah. Genius I, re- song. I remember that. Like I remember when that like debuted. They covered Sailing. Christopher Cross on that record. Dude, I got to go back. Yeah, I, I never back knew that. That's so funny. That's one of my favorite songs in the world. That's Christopher funny. Cross. I love that. Oh my gosh. Well, and then and the funny thing is this sound becomes the biggest sound in the world. Post-Dangerous, but pre-2000s oons music. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Post-Dangerous, pre-oons music. This sound becomes unstoppable. It's, it's that kind of rhythmic pop. Well, because it gives you the, it gives you the the intense or the the intensity and the the sauce of black music, um, and the face that was more acceptable across um, young white teenagers. Exactly, can are allowed to listen to it. Yeah, exactly. Because by that point, even yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm with you. Because if you're because like I said, if if you're not listen if you're listening to hip hop. Then hip hop was like definitely by by white white culture standards was uh, it was violent it uh, promoted drugs sex and by that point if you were listening to hip hop that was risky business yeah it was I mean it just wasn't accepted in in general you know culture the culture's eye yeah yeah it just it just you know I mean that was it had with you know. Like I said, public enemies fight the power, and NWA's you know f the police and and all that stuff. It was uh, you know it, it had set such a tone, mm-hmm. um, and then you know by that point, by the late nineties, early two thousands, like it had become its own thing. There, the other thing that's happening simultaneously is nineties dance culture, original ED, you know, an original EDM. So post disco, mm-hmm. post Italo disco, uh, post. After like drum and bass, you've got the techno scene, you know, 303, Rezo, Rezo bass, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. There's this producer, an artist named BT. Yeah. You remember BT? Yo, yeah. Yeah. I used to listen to BT records like movement, all the time. Movement and still life and all yeah. that. It's smart yeah. bomb. I used to meditate to that stuff like years ago. Right. This is my first exposure outside of like Daft Punk. I knew like early Daft Punk records. Simultaneously, like the BTs and the Sandstorms and like Paul Oakenfolds of the world are doing this thing. And they're looking at this this young new pop going, huh, I think I want to get into that. Dirty pop. Produced by BT. Uh Uh-huh. No lie. And huh. bro, that was the hottest thing I had ever heard. Yeah, look up Dirty Pop. It's BT produced it. You can it up and right da- now. And BT was, he was the guy. Point is, 
that became its own inventive thing. Like Dirty Pops, like textures and all the scratching and all that stuff. It's ju- it's new, Jack. It's just different. It's the same thing. Putting the samples in, doing all the crazy ear candy stuff. Well, it's it's got the it's got the same elements. Yeah, the same sure. elements, right? Yeah. Man, I that's so funny that you know BT. That that oh, yeah, like dude. blew my mind. I remember that I used to get up at like five o'clock in the morning and meditate before I would work out, listening to BT. <laughs> I mean, that, but the thing is, my pop exposure outside, like what, you know what I was raised on, Chaka Khan, Al Jarreau, Herbie Hancock, mm-hmm. all that stuff, Parliament, you know, my exposure to modern music, modern, you know, basically cool stuff was mm-hmm. BT. And I was thought- Was BT, you said? Was BT, right. And I, because I had that record movement in still life uh, that my dad gave me, and- I thought that's what all electronics sounded like. Because the only other record I knew was like Daft Punk around the world. Like that's the only at that time when I was a kid, like a little kid. Sure, sure. Yeah. Like I said, I was born in 93. So like 98 rolls around. I'm five, six years old. And I'm listening to BT going, golly, this is like the most involved, like all this, all this textural work and all this like glitch work. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that he was like the top guy. I didn't know yeah. that like that sound was his own thing that he invented. Yeah, then, yeah, yeah. Then Dirty Pop, that comes out, and I'm going, oh my God, what is this? So, point being, pardon my tangential, you know. No, you're good. There. I'm listening. But, yes. you know, that sound, the sound of Max Martin and the sound of, of Dr. Luke, kind of, kind of beginnings of Dr. Luke, this whole in sync thing basically dies right and then comes back you know in a different way with jt's justified and this is this is where i think we can start talking the conversation about where you know what new jack has laid out Mm -hmm. for for the rest of you know for the rest of the 2000s into the 2020s uh jt partners up with Pharrell and Timbaland, obviously. Yep. Mm-hmm. Senorita, Cry Me a River, uh, Love You, Like I Do, Like I Love mm-hmm. You, sorry, Like mm-hmm. I Love You. All three hits in their own right. And I think, I think that's the ultimate example of a, of a debut solo record where every single, every, each single sounds entirely different from the last one. Yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You listen you listen to Justified and even the album cuts are completely different than the last one. Oh yeah. I I lived on an album for him. Mhm. What's up? I said I lived on that album for quite a while. Oh, so did I. I mean it, it yeah. just it's perfect. Re- still using real drums, which was interesting to me. Cause mm-hmm. that, you know, before that the pop before that it's interesting how they went back to real drums the pop before that had been nearly entirely programmed um but you know in in my mind at least just from studying the past 10 15 years of music we don't really hear about new jack at all until Um. well until that one thing but again we go through a decade (laughs) we go through a decade of all pop music being uh, 120 to 128, 130 at, at the fastest. Mm-hmm. 
a minor key exclusively programmed and if there's any guitar or any keys it's it's bit crushed or processed or completely quantized mm-hmm. well i mean you follow kind of with teddy riley um because if you you got to follow to follow new jack you have to follow teddy riley mm-hmm. um and you know after i say around 95 um you had you had like you had New Jack Swing up into, you know, the early, early 90s, you know, right. mid 90s. Right. Um, but then what where did Teddy Riley go after New Jack Swing? Do you remember? I, fill me in, man. Go for uh, it. Black, Black Street. He, start, or he, start, he started Black Street. Oh, you mean Black? Yes. You mean Black yeah. Street. I was like, yeah, I thought so we had already just, talked about that. No. So he started, he, he did Black Street, which was, of, I mean, th- no diggity is still one of the most requested songs. Yeah, one of the most recognized songs. At, I, I, you know, I get as as a DJ. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like dude, me too. From especially I mean, the crowds that I, you know, play for. You which know? is funny because no diggity is not like that. Used to be a music, uh, like a song for heads. You know what I mean? That song, like that song, it's not fast. What is it? Like eighty six. Yeah, it's it's eighty five, eighty seven. It's not a, yeah, it's not a twerk yeah. thing. It's not yeah. a twerk thing. So so your average Becky Prosecki, is, <laughs> that that is Daniel's copyrighted term. <laughs> I use that with permission. <laughs> um, you know they they asked for that song because it's nostalgia. Uh huh. You know. Yeah, but I mean, I think about where I was. I remember the God. I remember the first time I heard that song on the You're radio. Like, All right, what so is this? <laughs> this, was, this was fifth. This was fifth grade for me. Uh, it was a. It was kind of a rough time for me to be alive, just in general, because um, I I lived in South Nashville, but um, I used to ride the city bus, like those slinky buses. Oh man! I used to ride those to what is now East East High School, I think. But back then it was East Magnet. And, East, is uh, it East Lit or is that a different? Uh, it's a, the one on, on Main Street. Yeah, that's East it, Literature. Yeah, yeah, East Literature. Okay, so it used to be East Magnet, um, mm-hmm. and uh, that all that area, Five Points, uh, all of that was just straight up the hood. You know, that did not and, exist. Yeah, and it was yeah, it was rough. And I remember ha- having to ride the city bus, you know, uh, um, to that school. And I remember listening to. I mean, that was th- that was when like uh n64 had just been start uh you know uh production of n64 was being talked about and um hypnotized by biggie came out and no diggity so you're yeah you're you're hearing no diggity for the first time in fifth grade yeah and it's coming at it's coming at a time where everything's kind of slowing down um Uh. and everybody started you know like because like i said bone thugs was was like one of the big, you know, <laughs> right. the, the right. big groups, uh, you know, out there. And, you know, I mean, their stuff was, even if their stuff was like up tempo, like quarter note wise, the feel was still like slow and smooth. So Blackstreet was, was Teddy's child. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. They just, yeah. They're just like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. That was, that was his group. You know? So that was kind of like what I followed, you know, I, I didn't know it was Teddy Riley back then, but like when I, just, you know, started doing kind of like the, uh, um, mental timeline like you know new jack swing he had moved into that in you know into that area of of just like the way music feels you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. um and so you know it's in black culture you know like i said biggie tupac uh black street um that was kind of a, a bone thugs that was kind of a lot that was happening in in pop culture from a hip-hop like urban standpoint right. 
um, which then um, helped that idea of the explosive, uh, danceable um, feel of, you know, pop that NSYNC and Backstreet Boys represented Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera that they represented uh, ha- helped it kind of take off again, you know? Yeah. And this and this and the next phase would be a completely different podcast discussion. But you have, you know, Timbaland coming up. Yeah. And yep. suddenly, suddenly, I think this is where and we, we do not have to go down this deep rabbit hole, but things straighten out in terms of, of execution and programming. Yeah, like uh, that swing. Yeah, that swing. That swing is not there. Like that's by nope. that point, that swing is not not there anymore. Yeah. You know, I can't stand the rain. Uh, yeah, yo, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, basically, you know, what, what I, my original point a few minutes ago was just post, like you said, post Blackstreet, the feel of New Jack, that spirit, that attitude, kind of goes away. Um, but what's left, um, the shell that's left is um, the production or what, like, kind of, I was kind of thinking about how it affect how it affected, yeah. like, pop moving up to this point. But up until this point, like, we, you know, what you have are really rhythmic, uh, everything's really rhythm-driven, danceable, mm-hmm. um, and uh, vibrant. Um, mm-hmm. Because, like, you know, like I said, with, with... Uh, New Jack, it became a whole, there became a whole visual um, representation of New Jack with sure. the bright colors and the baggy, the, you know, the, the baggy uh, jeans pants, and high top and, fade. Yeah, yeah. High top fade and all stuff. And, you know, so that's kind of the shell of what's left over. And that's kind of sure. the, you know, the, the next, the foundation of the building block blocks of, even though the sound's not there, you're still without New Jack swing, you're not going to have those sample drums you're not you're not gonna have mm-hmm. not just sample drums you're just not have rhythm um that's as dominant in um the sound of pop music right um prior to that the only right. thing that was there was hip-hop hip-hop was like the foundation of that mm-hmm. and you have echoes of that even in in like the exhibit catalog and uh mystical and buster rhymes and and in ore and all that like all of that is echoes of that attitude, but again, the rip, speaking specifically from the rhythmic perspective, stuff straightens out. Yeah, and it's oh, yeah, just not sure. that that swing is gone. So you have you have the, you know clips and all that with like when's the last time and it's bomb. You know, you know, straight. Mm-hmm. But again, er, adi- straighter. Er. Straight er, I mean, there's yeah, there's definitely a push pull. At least ninety percent of that stuff was made on NPCs. So that that's the human element there. Mm-hmm. But so, relatively speaking, in my mind, New Jack kind of stays quiet. I mean, you, you could talk about Michelle and Degocello. You could talk about Jill Scott. You could talk, but I don't know. I don't know if Michelle would ever be like a household name that your grandmother would know. You know what uh, I mean? I mean, most people don't know that name. Most people Not, don't. You know, uh, if, if any listeners are curious, uh, take a listen to "Peace Beyond Passion," uh, Michelle and Degocello, an absolutely fantastic album. Uh, there are echoes of New Jack 
in that feel. But again, that that's from the neo soul perspective. You had, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, the three pillars of what was happening: uh, Euro dance, EDM, neo soul in the in the Soulquarians aspect, and mm-hmm. then and then rhythmic, you know, white pop, Max Martin. All these three things are happening at the same time, and then somewhere along the way, 2010 comes along, and we lose all of it, and it's 128. Uh-huh. Yo, that was a, that's so funny. You see you what I'm saying by the three those three funnels of of influence? Yeah, and I remember I remember that very distinctly because uh, I think well it was the summer of 2011 for sure. I remember I was on a gig, hmm. um, and wake up in the morning. <laughs> Yeah, uh, was that two? I think that was two thousand nine, two thousand ten. That song came out. Really? Um, I think so. I'm pretty so sure. So what it was did like you hear on that tour? I just remember. I remember like I was on this tour, and or not this tour. I was on. I was on this gig that was like an amusement park gig, and I was gone all summer. And I remember just you know whenever we would. Uh, it was in Santa Claus, Indiana. So like Santa Claus is just like really far behind on everything. Yo, it's uh, live in Santa Claus, Indiana. <laughs> yeah, me and my me and my best friend uh, Zachariah Witcher, who is a ridiculous bass player and yes, he uh, is. producer coming up. Um, that's where that's the gig we met on. But uh, anyways, I remember uh, we would when we moved up there into Santa Claus, Indiana for the summer. We doubled the black population, basically. <laughs> Oh my God! Uh, just, what is you know, wrong with you? <laughs> and uh, but anyways, like we were so far removed. But I remember when I would like you know turn on the radio and or come back to Nashville yeah. and just like listen to what is kind of current. What it was, was that all, for you? What music? Uh, it was all. It was all like I mean, in terms of pop. Um, yeah. You know what? I, if I would just turn on the radio, I remember listening to Britney Spears, and, uh, and I remember listening to uh, I think that summer. Um, uh, all the other kids with the pumped up, ki- you know, bro. I yeah. got so tired of that music. I got <laughs> so tired of fun. Period. Yeah, it just got, the people. I was like, this yeah, is soft. Yeah, this yeah, and is it was soft. just all just like it was all it was all dance. It was all like fist pump, like Jersey Shore, like yeah. You know, that was that was just kind of like the the. Not everything needed like a Benny Benassi remix. Yeah, God. and it was. I remember that being such a strange thing for me because I was just like what and that's that's really <laughs> where is the feel <laughs> yeah and that's really where i well, that's when i started falling into in love with like fusion jazz i i mm-hmm, was introduced mm-hmm. to snarky puppy at oh, that hot. point er, around that era and then i just like went on this huge huge tangent for years but anyways with that being said um yeah so 2010 uh i, I remember well, I just did, we just, New Year's just happened and mm-hmm. I remember, um, really organizing my crates and, you know, uh, one, an hour of the New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve gig that I had, um, I was just going to play, um, an hour's worth of the hits throughout the decade, mm-hmm. you know? And I remember looking back and like digging and studying. You're and, talking about, you're talking up. about 2019, the New Year's we uh, just had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, I remember. Right. I remember looking back, or looking back, and I was just like, "Hey, I was super far removed from pop. Mm, I did the same f- thing, at least dude. for five years, mm-hmm. six years, because it was all dance music. Yep. Um, and not uh, I mean, even like cool me dance music. Like, not yeah, even, don't get like, me wrong. There was some good, like, there's some good stuff that came out. Um, Justin Bieber, like, you know, some of that yeah, stuff. Bieber and, journals was. Yeah, yeesh. yeah, yeah, and you know, but overall like it was all you know i remember i mean j-lo J- was was really dancey yeah. um 
uh, Nicki Minaj had gone really. T- I mean, because Nicki Minaj, that was like monster, you know. When I remember when she first was was rec- uh, was sh- she first featured on Monster, I was like, "Yo, this whoever this rapper is is ridiculous." That was two thousand nine. I remember. I thought I was like, she when was I, gonna. Oh. I thought she was gonna pick up where Missy left off. Nope, she went completely dance like dance yep. like super this, bass. This, yeah, super bass, and you know, and I mean that's kind of where. It, it, yeah, we'll just kind of leave that there. Yeah. Um, I just miss. I just miss Ratchet Nikki. I'm yeah. sorry. I miss that feel, but, but yeah. yeah. Um, so all the, all the pop artists by that point was like what pink, pink became really dancey. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think, I mean, honestly, I wonder if that's why Justin Timberlake kind of like laid low for 10 years. He did. And he, he did lay low for 10 years. Like he you pulled know? like a black Messiah, D'Angelo, like, uh, you know what? I'm going to exit for a while. And then yeah. come, like comes back with man of the woods. That's this complete oh, departure. Well, 20, 2020 right that was the that oh was the yeah 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 yeah. sorry 2020, 2020 experience, experience yeah. was like let me make future sex love sounds again but make it experimental yeah and l- let me sound like a grown grown man you know like, <laughs> yeah um, grown grown yeah, yeah and i think that that is well i there was just like a uh i feel like there was just an absence of of you know music that had rhythm you know mm-hmm. uh dominant rhythm you know besides just the four on the floor you know uh 125 to yeah. 130 I'm, i am so glad even if we even if we must suffer through 10 more years of trap in in the pop hemisphere i'm really glad that 125 is over that's funny um yeah i'm just saying because everything since Katy perry dark horse kind of everything borrowed from the the whole you know again the wide appropriation of trap yeah. When they don't even know who 3-6 Mafia is. Yeah. Know, yeah, yeah Pat, sure. Like, you don't know. But yeah. the one thing I want to make sure we touch on is obviously before before we kind of end the conversation around the modern hemisphere where New Jack brought mm-hmm. us is 24 Karat Magic, the LP. Oh, yeah. Okay. So what I want to say about that specifically is, A, Bruno Mars did a fantastic job. I don't care what anybody says. Um, he did a phenomenal job. Shout out production um, group 1500 or nothing. Yeah. Out in holy LA cow. That, that created that record. Um, they brought child, they brought my childhood back, bro. Like I remember listening to like, you know, okay. You know, a lot, there's different camps, you know, um, but a lot of people are like, that's not new Jack swing. But you know, I mean, I, Teddy Riley said it himself. He said it is new Jack swing. He just did it his way. Is he referring to finesse specifically? Uh, he's talking about just like, just Bruno Mars record you know yeah. but finesse specifically yeah you know yeah. finesse was had the it had the the poison mold you know what i'm Dude, saying the first time i heard finesse though i said that's in living color uh-huh. it's the same it's the same chords yeah and it's the yeah. exact same i remember you and i had this conversation at church it was this it's the same chords as remember the time yeah and in the same uh, key yeah yeah uh, and to be honest with you like um this is kind of where I'm at with New Jack Swing in the modern era. How's that? It's uh, it's kind of a novelty, man. Um, it's a nod. <laughs> you hear Anytime someone do it, it, and you're like, "Dang, okay, cool." Yeah, any, I mean, because like uh, Chance the Rapper on his newest record uh, just had a, a song or two huh. that was like '90s, 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 and I was just like, I recognize it because of the way it made me feel. I was like, man, right. I feel like a, I feel like a kid again listening to this record, you know, mm-hmm. and it made me want to, you know, and so See, that's really beautiful, though. That's yeah. really cool that you get to experience that. Yeah, and you know? I I love it, and 
honestly, that's where it should stay because like, mm-hmm. um, like don't try mind, to reinvent the wheel cause you're going to screw it up. Yeah. And it's kind of like everything. Uh, what's that song? I got to look up the, I got to look up the song. Um, describe it. Uh, found a good one. I think it was off chance off the chance record. You might yeah, be right. I, I think yeah, it's that it. one. <laughs> um, or I got you. Uh, one of those two. I can't, hmm. I can't remember. Um, but it's kind of like how every every movie now is like a sequel. You know, every mo- movie now a is, a, is a remake or a sequel or a reboot or you know. And after hmm. a while, it's cool to see like a re envisioning of of the thing. But man, like you can't have New Jack unless you had the everything that came with it. When I heard finesse, I thought, okay, this this is it. Maybe. Maybe we'll start hearing New Jack more, I was hoping, more and more in the pop hemisphere. And and since then, I'm really not sure, besides the They track with Lido, I'm really not sure if if it's been done again. Um, I'm, yeah. I, you mentioned Chance as well, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah. And A, that's okay because, okay, sure. so this is kind of where we're at. Um I think we'll see it come around. We'll, it'll keep popping up here and there. Because, like, for instance, well, because I think that a lot of R&B, uh, I'm starting to notice that R&B uh, that's coming out today is starting to rely heavily on 90s R&B. Um, instead of, but instead of taking the feel of, this, of, of 90s as, as a whole, they're sampling songs. You, did you hear that... Uh- be a good man, good man. That samples D'Angelo. I, is that Neo? Who is that? I uh, just want to be a good man, good man. Something like that. Uh, like, that, that, came, that came out a while ago, right? Did it? Maybe it was like a year ago. Uh, uh, and like way, way back, Ciara with Body Party uh, sampling uh, Quad City DJs in Naj. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like all, all that kind of, you're totally right. Like that... I mean, Sierra's not a, a, a New Jack example. That's not a, a New Jack sample example, but uh, I mean, and I'm not even talking about like New Jack specifically. I'm just talking about like '90s, like yes, like, yes. Uh, and because like if you look up uh, Kiana Lede's newest record, Kiki, huh. um, this came out this year. I think she has like three songs that are sp- like specific samples. I think she samples Juicy. Uh, she samples. Yeah, like M Tomb Juicy Fruit or or Biggie like Juicy. Biggie. Like Biggie. Um or no, she actually took Juicy Fruit. I think she took Juicy Fruit. Um I, maybe hold on. See, I, I gotta, love that though. That's... I gotta pull up some of these. Uh but you had what did Summer Walker uh she sampled uh Usher, right? Which by the way, did not know this. Jam and Lewis produced You Remind Me. Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah. I did um, not know that. Yeah, come through. She uh she's you know, so like all these all these I'm starting to see that happen, you know, mm-hmm. like so we are yeah. uh, hopefully sooner than later. So my biggest beef with R and B and hip hop now is a um uh, rhythm yeah. is gone. I gotta you know? yeah. I'm really tired of the the Chris Brown thing, honestly. Um, that just, feel the yeah. th- one note melody 
Da, yeah, da, it's da, like da, da, da. you'll get to like yeah, you'll get it, the most you'll get is like three notes out of a melody. Yes, very uh, tired. It's all triplet based and it's all because well, rap and hip hop are, are sorry, rap and R and B have crossed. They're they're like the same now. Like they're the same thing except one just sings a little bit more. Yeah, one oh one point one makes no differentiation. Like I can't hear the difference. Yeah, between a raps. Okay, like Migos is a different example, sure, but like everything else. It all sounds exactly the same. You're right. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's, and this is not the grandpa in me or get off my lawn. Oh, it's, it's just totally like, get off my lawn for me. I'm like, get, for me, yeah. it's, it's, uh, music is not fun to me unless it has compelling rhythm, you know? Um, and so, you know, every, when you're playing a live show, like the, the stuff that's considered R&B nowadays would be the slow songs, you know, that would be in the mix. And uh, that's the part of the set where you bring it down and you'd have like an intimate part, like intimate time with your audience singing your more intimate songs. But nowadays everything just feels uh, slow and spacey. Dude. Um, and that, and that's the thing I've gone on this tangent with a lot. I have this discussion with a lot of people, hip hop and R&B today, uh, 15 years ago, and this is the grandpa on me. I'll freely admit it. I'm being a grandpa about this. <laughs> Nothing, all this, and, and no shade on Post Malone. I actually enjoy him as a songwriter. But this kind of low, mid-range, heavy thing happening in hip-hop, uh-huh. I can't play that on a dance floor. It's, it's kind of funny. I was just having this conversation uh, two days ago. I was just like... <laughs> You can kind of dance to it. Girls can twerk to some of this stuff, you know? Um, but you ain't going to sell drinks can, to it. But as a guy, like, not just as a guy, but just like as a person that grew up in 90s where you had these big movements, <laughs> with, like, <laughs> like physical, yeah, big exactly. physical movements that yeah. came, like House Party, House Party. New Jack Swing, like House Party is like my, like, that was me. That was my, if you watched the movie House Party, that was me. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, and you see like the way they danced at the house parties, everything was about the house party. And nowadays, like, you know, that type of music isn't mm-hmm. necessarily, it's about like the biggest word of 2019, 2020 is vibe. Everybody uses the word vibe. It's I'm all so, a vibe. I'm it's so a, tired. You know? I was, and, I liked vibe in 2013 when the weekend, nobody knew who the weekend was and it was really uh-huh. cool. Uh-huh. But I am so tired of that. And, you know, Vibe has this place, you know, like... Xanax hey, yo, R&B. Like, come to the... Yeah, that's funny. Come to the come to the studio and let's vibe and see if we can come up with something. Like, that's that's a, you know, that's a feel. But, like, everything nowadays is, like, uh, Vibe. Vibe this, Vibe that. And... You make um, enough that's just, R&B that's just songs... That's kind of where we are. You make that? enough R&B songs at 55 BPM, it's going to get played out. And I mean... I, I'm not even yeah. talking like Aaliyah or the Brat 55 BPM or 60 where it had a, it had a bounce I mean, to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about that. Yeah, I mean, if I play that at a, if I play that at a club, uh, I remember I, I got, I went into that zone, you know, you know, at uh, one of the clubs I play at or one of the venues I play at. Um, the last hour, I bring it down so we can kind of clear the room so that they can start closing I, yeah um, i remember you and i did that at the west end i mean we never went b2b but like that was the move at the west end too was to start yeah. chilling it out right and, and you so can play I remember, stuff like that yeah but i remember doing that for an hour and even the staff was like yo i'm about to go to sleep 
bro. It, I'm and saying you know? I, I'm careful with that too because I don't play. You know, this is another like another podcast for like just talking about that. Maybe one we want to do like just a DJ conversation for an hour. Sure, but you can't play. You have one or two ways to go. You can play Cardi B press, but you better be. It's slow tempo, but it's like fast four. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like oh yeah, fast four. Mm-hmm. You know, but you better be ready for an all-out war if you're going to play that kind of stuff because it's going to be crazy. In the yeah. same conversation, vibe, you know, in, in terms of vibe colloquially used, you know, like we're describing, I'm not sure. I'm really wanting to see the page turn in, yeah. in this in this area of music because I'm really not sure that it works. If you're, you know, like, like in terms of not even just DJing, but... Like you said, let's bring back some house party element. Bring back some rhythm. There is a reason you hear Kelly's milkshake and it goes. Oh, yeah. You know, I know that's kind of a goofy example. Stuff like that. You know, there's a reason uh, ludicrous stand up. Yeah. You know, mystical. Country grammar. uh, Oh, my God. Country grammar. um, Yes. Yeah, just there's, yeah, there's a... There's a, I want to move to this. I, I, I wanna just want to exactly. like, uh, I don't want to sit know. in the corner on two Xanax and tequila and, and be completely passed out to this music. And that's what you do in the studio. That's what you do at your house, you know, and that's cool. Um, but like I said, that vibe is, yeah. it puts you in a meditative state, just like overall, like it puts you in a meditative state. And when you're out in the, when you're out in the club, that's not where you're trying to be, you know? Um, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Like I'm, I'm over, uh, R and B nowadays. Cause like, even as a drummer, not just a DJ, but as a drummer, like listening to mint condition and new edition. And I, I learned how to play drums. Like, well, I just, I learned how to play my instrument. I learned how to phrase. I learned yeah. how to, yeah. I learned like, there's a specific way, uh, uh, there's a specific way black people play drums. You know, like, I have no like, idea what you're talking about. <laughs> no, <let's, laughs> You know, go listen to that old like Mint Condition stuff. Like, you know, when Chris Day was playing with Mint Condition back in the back in the day. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like, there's just there's a way. Like, I miss that because I miss the fact that I I miss listening to R and B and being like, oh man, I want to learn how to play that way. Nowadays, everything is programmed and everything is like, dude, you know, from my perspective, good luck being a guitar player. Well, yeah, for sure. There's no freaking, there's no clean guitar in anything. It's just synth. It's like, like guitar being processed as a synth. Yeah. yeah. I'm in full grandpa mode right now. I know I'm an old head. I'm (laughs) just saying. Yeah. Oh, well, this, if we, if we kind of take this subject matter, move it to like, uh, just why new Jack swing was so important. Um, new Jack swing is so important because it made, uh, because of where, like, kind of where we are now musically. Yeah. Uh, uh, New Jack Swing, before that, we didn't have a lot of compelling rhythm in our pop music, um, that, like, life-giving rhythm, you know? Yeah. And yeah. today, we don't necessarily have a lot of that coming, you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, and it's it's all low-end, and everything's heavily processed. And uh, what I would like to see, if we get, if we gain anything from 
like uh, the cycle, you know, because everything happens in cycles. If New Jack Swing comes back around or the spirit of it comes back around, it's just that we find that rhythm again, you know, um, that it's beautiful, man. Young I people, agree. young, like the people that are the, the, the kids like that are coming up, mm-hmm. um, that they they take a hold of rhythm again, you know, and honestly, yeah, I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to. This is not a black and white thing, like no, I, no, I, I got I'm you. Not, but at the same time, like that, like it comes from the need to express yourself physically through dance and to break out of yes, of agreed. you know certain constraints and things like that. And that's yeah. where all this music came from. That's where mm-hmm. hip hop came from. That's why b boys became a thing mm-hmm. because hip hop came first, and then dancing um, to hip hop became like a thing. That's why New Jack Swing. Um, that's what happened with new Jack swing. And then all these dances that came from new Jack swing, you know, um, it was, it was just big and it was larger than life. And Mm. that is kind of what I hope it new Jack swing is just a, a, a vehicle for the, the bigger idea, which is this life has to be larger than what we see here now. You know what I'm saying? Um, that's a word. And, and, um, that's the way my mind works. And that's why, that's why, uh, New Jack Swing is so important to me because like, Hey, the first, the first reason why it's so important is because I can't identify with just one thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I have to take a bunch of things that are different and, and get them to somehow work, uh, uh, together for a common cause, you know? That's why I have the fusion jazz band because I have a bunch of dudes that are from a bunch of different backgrounds and we just come together. We make music that feels good, I think. Um, well, that's part of the gift. That's part of the gifting of God, too, is when he gives you, you know, the gift of music is transcendent from it. It transcends background. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. It, and all these guys coming together for for, you know, today's kids like your band. It doesn't matter where they're from. What matters is what you're creating in enjoy it i in a space j-o-y like joy pure joy yeah, you know yeah. um that's i that's a great man you got some serious poll quotes in these last couple minutes <laughs> what what we are i want to quote you again what we are creating has to be bigger than what we see here is that it yeah yeah it's um music has always been um hope for the future for me um, it's, it hasn't always, music is not always like, oh man, I'm just trying to relate to my emotions in a, in a way that, that doesn't use words. Yeah. It was that always never, like, that never hooked me either. I was yeah. Like, it's yeah. always been like, what can be, you know, what can be, and that's Say what it. music has always been. So that's why yeah. I work so hard. That's why I practice eight hours a day because it's like yeah. music is the only thing that, that motivates me to be more, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. And and, you know, so that's what I hope – that's what New Jack Swing was. Wow. It was like, you know, Teddy Riley said, I want more out of music, but the artists that are killing aren't doing it for me. So I'm going to create this right. thing, you right. know, and that's what I hope. Right. You know, right now I just feel like everybody's just following a, a wave, which is the way the industry works. Um, and I just – I hopefully – I personally pray that I can be a part of – this movement of where music is going to go next, you know? Absolutely. Um, and I hope that it's big and it's robust and that it's just like colorful and rhythmic and, um, danceable Mm -hmm. and, you know, and, um, life giving, you know, right. New Jack swing is life. 
tune, bro. And um, anytime I play it, people move. It doesn't matter where mm-hmm. I am. People move. And that's uh, um, it's not and it's it's that's different from playing something that's brand new that came out within the last year because that's just because it's it's context. It's like contextual uh, to like this moment now. But New right. Jack has been done for twenty years. It has uh, thirty twenty five years. You know, um, and it's still one of those things where you you play something and you know um, you play a record and people move to it no matter what the yeah. the age range is you know i think i think you've really you've really summed it up perfectly is is new jack was hope new jack was joy um new jack was inventive and original you know um this is probably the most dynamic discussion i've had on a genre with anybody that oftentimes goes overlooked by the uh, powers that be now, you know. So I, I've been, this has been really, really insightful from all angles, you know, exploring it from the drumming angle uh, to you as an MD and an artist of artists, you know, and, and how, you, how you collaborate with other people. And you as a, as a DJ, which I've been very, very lucky to work alongside you, uh, in the in that field, um, well, I mean, I learned a lot today too. Just listening to you talk about producers and <laughs> thank you, you know, yeah. I love that. Yeah, man, it's um, it's been real. It's been really, really cool having you on. Um, tell us, tell us where we can find more information about you. Maybe what what we can expect from from you. I know it sounds so cheesy. What can we expect from you kind of post COVID? Maybe just anything we know. I know you're practicing a lot. I've, I've been trying to take some of that into my own life as well. Um, where can we find you on the internet? Um, well, my, my Instagram handle is my, my name, the one I go my my artist quote unquote artist name, um, Daniel Ian Jones. Uh, that's my handle. Um, DJ basketball Jones is my Instagram, my DJ Instagram. Um, yeah, I've I'm already having talks. Uh, I've got venues booked, um, just kind of for whenever things open back up um, for specific events. Um, DJ Basketball Jones hosted events, so I'm working on those things currently. As a drummer, I am uh, specifically. Uh, I mean, I play for a, quite a few artists, um, but right now, man, I'm just like I'm. I'm working on fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to like what happens after, um, you know, COVID, that's kind of yet to be seen, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, Instagram, I mean, I'm, I'm super, I tend to be very uh, punctual with kind of information, you know? You have a great internet um, presence, yes. I, I'm trying. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, so just keep up with me on that, and then uh, you know, from there, that's kind of it. Like, once natural opens back up, I mean, work is gonna. You're not gonna. You're not gonna have to go far to find to find opportunities. Yep, city's um, gonna but, be popping. Yeah, this time of just like COVID um, and quarantine is just like really helping me to to find like yep. the next thing. Um, yep not from an industry standpoint but from a movement like music mm-hmm. uh 
that type of thing, you know? Yep. Thank you, Daniel, for coming on Mr. Encyclopedia. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been a discussion with a very close friend of mine, collaborator, and all-around brilliantly creative person, Daniel Ian Jones. Thanks Uh, for having me, bro. Yeah, man. Here at Mr. Encyclopedia, we are examining the music of years past to expand our creative future, and that's what we've done today. So thank you, Daniel. Thanks, man. Mr. Encyclopedia is presented by Chase Akers. If you've enjoyed the show, leave a five-star rating and write a review. Be sure to click subscribe so you can be the first to know when a new episode drops. You can also follow the Mr. Encyclopedia playlist series on Spotify to listen to the music discussed in each episode. Thank you.